Turn to Luke chapter 3. <clears throat> Luke chapter 3. Had a good time with the young people yesterday. I did something I never did before. I didn't preach. But I made him think. I gave him a test. Maybe, do you think maybe I should give the adults that test sometime? <laughs> Uh, there was a lot of them squirming, but anyway, it was a good exercise in thinking skills. Luke chapter 3, <clears throat> Luke chapter 3, and uh, I'm going to read starting at verse 1, and I'm going to read down through verse 22. It says, Now in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod the Tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, Tetrarch of Berea, and of the region of Trachonitis, and Lysanthus, the Tetrarch of Abilene, Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priests, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance. Begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. John the Baptist wasn't really politically correct. And verse 9, Now also the axe is laid in the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answereth and saith unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also publicans to be baptized, and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. And as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and will gather the wheat into his garner. With a chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved by him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape, like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. The title of this message is the message of John. 
It's our message. Repent. Be baptized. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity that we have to look on your word today. Thank you for uh, the songs that we sing, and thank you for special music, and how it blessed our hearts. And Father, we pray that uh, now we quiet our hearts before you and hear what you'd have to say for us, to us, through your word. Pray you'd help me, and just pray that the Spirit of God would work in our midst and glorify himself. And Lord, we do pray if there's any in our midst this morning who need to repent, that they would this morning. Allow the Spirit of God to bring them to that place and return from their sin and change their ways. Thank you again for your love and your mercy to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, many believe, as I once did, that John the Baptist was the last prophet of the Old Testament, which I often wondered about that. Then why is he in the New? You know, is it not true that John preached the same gospel as Jesus? You know, he came on the scene preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and be baptized. Jesus comes on the scene preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and be baptized. No difference. And is that not what we are to preach today? Did not Jesus and the apostles say the kingdom of God began with John? Matthew eleven twelve. from the days of John the Baptist until now, this is Jesus speaking, of course all of it's his word, but until now the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent taketh it, take it by force. And then in Acts 22, Peter says, beginning from the baptism of John, until the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And then again in Acts chapter 10, 36 and 37, they said this, And the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, that word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea, began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Now, it wasn't saying there, the idea wasn't there that you know, it was after John preached, but they're all linked together, they're all preaching the same thing, but it began with John, and Jesus preached it after John. It came behind. In fact, that word after... The Greek word is translated with 385 times, I think. Um, so, John preached, and so we're going to see this morning, we're going to look at this. John preached the same message we are to preach today. It's no different. So, let's look at it. First, number one, he preached repentance is a prerequisite to salvation. In verse 3, he says, And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now, that phrase there, for the remission of sins, could, could throw you into a tizzy, but we'll get to that in a minute. But let's first of all look at what repentance means. The word repentance. Uh, Thayer's Greek lexicon describes it this way, a change of mind of those who have begun to abhor their errors and misdeeds and have determined upon a better course of life so that it embraces both a recognition of sin and sorrow for it and hearty amendment, the tokens and effects of which are good deeds. So, so it's more than just, you know, a lot of people say, well, repentance is a change of mind. In fact, 
you know, Jack Howes and Curtis Hudson and many of those guys would tell you it's just a change of mind. A change from unbelief to belief. That's what they taught. I think it's just a justification for their easy believism. But that's what they taught. No, it's more than just a change of mind. It also includes a change of the will. Notice again it says, the end of that says, it embraces both recognition of sin and sorrow for it and hearty amendment. The tokens and effects of which are good deeds. In other words, you're changing your actions. You're changing your actions. In fact, that's why John says in verse 8, Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance. If you have repented, it will show. There will be a change of your will. Now, I've often said that you know, when people repent, everything in their life may not change immediately. But God will begin to work. And when they're confronted with something that they become aware of, sin, they're going to make an effort to change it. They're going to have a desire to change it. They have a desire to please and, will, and, and do the will of God. So, so it's more than just a change of mind. It's also a change of will. Uh, it's not just changing from unbelief to belief. Uh, you know, in Matthew ten thirty nine, it says this, He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life, the word life there is means the vital force which animates the body, or it gives up his own will. He that loses life for my sake shall find it. In uh, Matthew chapter 21, uh, uh, yeah, Matthew 21, go to Matthew 21, we see an example of this idea of a change uh, of, of repentance and what follows. So it's a change of, of will. In Matthew 21, verse 23 <clears throat> Jesus here is uh, being questioned about John, by the way. And when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority dost thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Whence was it? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did you not believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people. Boy, aren't these really good, good politicians here? Uh, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither I tell you, but what authority I do these things. But what think ye? He goes on. He's talking to them. A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son... Go to work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. He came to the second and likewise, said likewise, and he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father, they said unto him the first. Jesus saith unto him, unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For God, John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that ye might believe him. So we see here from verse 32 that repentance is not the same as belief or unbelief. 
know, devils believe and tremble. They didn't repent. If they would have repented, they would have believed. But they didn't repent. But we see the example for us of this change of will in verse 30. It says, and he, and he came, uh, verse 29, I'm sorry. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. So repentance brings about a, is a change of the will. Uh, so it's more than just a change of, 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 of mind. It's also a change of of the will, a change of action. You know, Jesus taught this. Uh, the same thing that you know that that uh, that uh, uh, John the Baptist taught. For example, in Matthew chapter three, we see this this um, Matthew three two. John the Baptist it says, and saying, "Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is hand." And chapter four, verse seventeen, speaking about Jesus, Jesus began to preach and say, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Uh, it, 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 somebody pointed out, I was reading a, a blog the other day, somebody pointed out, if Jesus is not your king, your Lord, are you in his kingdom? Because you know, a lot of people say, well, preacher, that's lordship salvation. What is salvation? Are you making him your Lord and Savior? Call it Lord, Lordship Salvation One. It's Bible salvation. John taught it. Jesus taught it. The disciples taught it. Peter at Pentecost said, "Repent and be baptized." To the and he said to the Jew and the Gentile. Uh, you know, he, he, they said the same thing to to uh, uh, um, um, yeah. Who was it? Luke in Acts chapter eleven, verse eighteen. Second uh, Peter three nine. Peter talks about um, you know we need to repent. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Paul in Acts chapter seventeen verse thirty to the to those at Athens. God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. To repent. And so repentance is a prerequisite for salvation. It's more than just a change of mind. It carries with it also a change of the will. Change of the will. You know, salvation, salvation is not saying some words or acknowledging a truth. It's a surrender of the will. You're receiving him as your Lord and your Savior. The second thing John preached here was that regeneration... Or salvation, that's a nice word for salvation. Regeneration brings new life. New life. Uh, I want to notice a couple of things here. First of all, faith in Christ is evident with a change of life. In uh, verses 4 through 9, verses 4 through 9, it says, As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, say, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the 
multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, With Abraham to our father, for I say unto you, that God is able these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees, every tree therefore that bringeth forth not, not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Now, Somebody, this part of this is a quotation from the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, and it can be a little bit confusing, but I believe that verse 5 is explained in verses 7 and 8. Uh, and David Sorensen said this about those verses. He said this in his commentary, and I quote, The ultimate fulfillment of verse 5 will be in the millennium when the, the topography of Israel will be profoundly changed. However, the spiritual application then, this time, was to prepare for the coming of the Messiah and making his path level, straight, and smooth. In other words, spiritually prepare your hearts for his impending arrival. Let there be, let there be no spiritual impediment for his arrival, unquote. In other words, no hindrances, no obstructions were there to receiving the Savior Lord. You can remove all those. And God can remove all those. But many remained. As we see here, you know, he said every every uh, uh, valley should be filled, and every mountain and, and every hill should be brought low. Now, if you again, like I say that 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 is a prophecy that's going to have its fulfillment in in the millennium when the topography of Israel will be changed. But but the application here is that those that are high need to be brought low. The proud need to be humbled. Think of who he's speaking to. And he's speaking here to the, to the, 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 the self-righteous Jews who trusted in Abraham. And those are the ones he says there, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. He said, oh, generation of vipers. You see, they weren't willing to be brought low. They prided themselves in their heritage. Look at John chapter 8. You know, the, this was a thing that Jesus also spoke to them about many occasions. In John chapter 8, verse 33. Verse 33, Jesus said, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And here's their response. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed. And we're never in bondage to any man. I mean, they're in bondage to the Romans right now, physically, and they don't realize they're in bondage to their own sin. And they said, And he said, You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. Oh, we're Abraham's seed. We're not in bondage to any man. Verse 39. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you'd do the works of Abraham. Verse 52. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead and his prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham? Which is dead, and the prophets are dead. Whom makest thou thyself? 
Go to Romans chapter 10. You know, this, this, this continues throughout the Bible, and it continues to this day with the Jewish people. Romans chapter 10. And it's alive and well in the Bible Belt. Same philosophy, alive and well in the Bible Belt. Romans 10, 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel that they might be saved. For I bear them record, they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You see, they, they pride themselves in, they were the seed of Abraham. They were the children of the covenant, the children of the promise. And, and, and they were proud of their, their heritage and their works. And you know, realistically, compared to us Gentiles, they were the children of promise. They were the children of the covenants. Romans chapter 3 was, you know, is there any advantage to being a Jew? Paul says, ask the question, is there any advantage to being a Jew? Yes, very much. Unto them was given the oracles of God. They were given the word of God. So there was great advantage to the Jews, but those things cannot save them. But boy, they pride themselves in that. You know, just like a Catholic who thinks, I can ride into heaven on the coattails of Mary and the saints. You know, there's a lot of Baptist people that are going to ride on the coattails of their heritage. They're a church member somewhere. You see, many stumbled and balked at the message, repent, who me, what for? I'm Abraham's seed. I mean, I grew up in a Baptist church. I went to church on my... I, I mean, I got the award for being the most faithful person in Sunday school class. What do I need to get saved? And that's why he says, every hill shall be brought low. And then he goes on and says, you know, you generation of vipers, they wouldn't humble themselves. You know, the Bible tells us in Matthew 18, 4, Jesus said this, that unless you humble yourself as a little child, you shall in no wise enter in the kingdom of heaven. But, you know, even though these wouldn't change, there was change evident in others. These weren't the only people that came to John. Notice verse 10. And again, what I'm pointing out here is that there is there must be uh, evidence of changed life for regeneration. In verses 10 through 14, you have, And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answered and saith unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. He that hath meat, let him do likewise. So he's talking about those who had means. You know, and, and really, you could sum all these things up, and, and we'll look at more of them here in a minute, but you could sum all these things up by love your neighbor as yourself. 
keeping the, the, the commandments. And, and so those that had means were to, to help and be an encouragement to those who did not. Uh, verse John 3 teaches that as well. But he said so in verse, verse uh, 12, then came also the publicans. You know, the publicans were the tax collectors. They were the ones that were, they were Jewish men who, who were hired, hired themselves out to the Romans to collect the taxes. And they were also given the opportunity, if they wanted to, to not only collect the tax, but make that tax as high as they wanted. And anything they got over what the government required, they kept. That's why so many of them got so rich. They were hated. And, and they came to him to be baptized and, and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? You know, these are people coming with honest, soul-searching questions. In other words, I want to please the Lord. What do I do about this, this, and this in my life? And John tells them, exact no more than that which is appointed you. In other words, whatever the government appoints to be taxed of a person, don't you add to it. Don't you steal. Let him that stole steal no more. Then the soldiers likewise. He was he, that, that some of the soldiers came to him. You know, the commentators. You know, that don't you know? We don't know for sure whether these are soldiers of the of the the Sanhedrin, you know, the the temple soldiers, or whether these was, could have been Roman soldiers. But they came to him and saying, "And what shall we do?" And he said unto them, "Do violence to no man." Neither accuse any falsely and be content with your wages. You know, soldiers are always complaining about their wages. You never get enough. And soldiers tend to be, you know, they're the law. They can do whatever they want. They can rough you up. No, no, no. That's not, you're supposed to be a servant to the people. So these were people that had come to John to be baptized, had truly repented of the sin, and it was evident because they wanted to please the Lord. There was a change in their life. Second thing we see here is that the salvation, uh, remission of sins, as it's called, precedes baptism. Notice, go back to verse 3. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of of sins. Now the word for here means because of or on the account of. I saw this headline. Man wanted for bank robbery shoots himself. Okay, now the question I have is, did somebody want him to rob a bank and he shot himself? Or did he rob a bank and shot himself? Well, it wasn't that he was wanted to rob a bank. It was wanted because he robbed a bank. But the headline says, man wanted for bank robbery. So when you read, it says, baptism, uh, be baptized, repentance, for the remission of sins. It means because he, he wants to be baptized because his sins have been forgiven. You know, we find this same uh, phrase like this in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, where Peter said to the, to the Jews on the, uh, the day of Pentecost, but if you read the entire passage, it explains itself. Verse 38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. There it is again. But, by the way, Church of Christ people love to pull those two verses out and say, See, baptism washes away your sins. 
But let's read on. And it says, And ye shall receive the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Now here's the, here's the solution to that problem in verse 38. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. So they first received the word. They received Christ as the Lord and Savior, and then they were baptized. And, of course, other passages in the Bible teach this. Uh, Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And so you can see there, yes, a person that believes should be baptized, should desire to be baptized, but it says a person that believeth not. It doesn't say a person that doesn't believe and is not baptized shall be damned. Just if you believe not. In Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch, he asked Philip, What doth hinder me to be baptized? He says, Thou believest that Jesus is the Christ, thou mayest. And he said, I believe. And he baptized him. So, we see that, that John Pete's preached repentance, prerequisite for salvation, that regeneration brings new life, and that baptism is, is giving evidence of that as well. And then the third thing we notice is that the rejection of the gospel message brings judgment in the torments of hell. If you notice in verse 9, it says, And now also the axe is laid on the root of the trees. Every tree therefore bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Now, couple things here. John was saying that judgment was imminent to the Jewish people. Maybe that's what he's referring to when, he, when he's in this verse 9. Uh, and again, in this commentary, Sorensen said this, quote, What clearly is implied that God's wrath was impending against Israel. What may be implied is the coming judgment for the rejection of Christ accomplished in AD 70 under Titus. The axe blow had not yet fallen, but it was lying there against the root of the tree. One of the traditional symbols of Israel was that of an olive tree. Horticulture tradition of the region was that when an olive tree either would not bear fruit or bore bad fruit, it was cut down and used for firewood. Israel was in danger of God's impending wrath. Their king was at hand. The message of repentance implied that if they, they did not, God's judgment was against them was imminent. And go, to, go to Romans chapter 11. You know, and we see what happened to them because they rejected their Messiah uh, they were set aside Romans chapter 11 and this, this talks about the olive tree being broken off Romans chapter 11 verse 13 for I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch I, as I am the apostle of the Gentiles I magnify mine office if by any means I may provoke to emulation or jealousy them which are of my flesh, and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. If the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, and the implication is that the true olive tree or the natural olive tree is Israel. They were God's chosen people. But they were broken off. They were cut off. But thou, the Gentile, being a wild olive tree, were graft in, uh, we're in this one place here, 
were grafting among them, verse 17, and with them partake us of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches are broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, that's Israel, God didn't spare Israel, he judged them. Take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God, and them which fail severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. So, so he's referring to Israel here as the olive tree that got cut off. And we Gentiles are grafting. My dad used to graft apple trees. And he had a tree, he had a tree that had, would bear several different kinds of apples. Because he'd take a branch off of one tree and graft it. He'd slice the tree open and kind of slide it in there and bandage it up somehow. And he put some um, like tar-like stuff on it and wrapped it up. And that tree would adopt that branch and feed that branch. And that's what Paul's saying here, really, we Gentiles are. We have come in. We're the Johnny-come-latelys. Israel has given us the word of God. They've given us our Savior. And we've received the benefits of it. They rejected him. And the Gentiles have received him. And, of course, that's a warning to us not, not to turn away unless we be judged. So there was a judgment was imminent, but also this judgment for rejection is eternal. Notice verse 16 and 17 of Luke 3 says this. John answered, saying unto them, All, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the last of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost with the fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And so he's referring here to Christ. Of course, Christ will gather his harvest, and he'll separate as a farmer threshing wheat, the wheat from the chaff. He'll gather the wheat into the storehouse, and he'll burn the chaff. Your wheat speaks of those who received his word and were baptized. The chaff refers to those in verse 8 and 9 who rejected it will not humble themselves. And he said, they will be burned. Remember what it says in Psalm 1? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand. That word stand there means confirmed or established in the judgment. They are not going to stand. They're not going to be established or confirmed when they stand before God. Instead, they're going to be cast out. You know, those that receive Christ as Lord and Savior are established. We're confirmed. When we stand before God, 
He's going to receive us. But the ungodly, cast out. They'll not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So the rejection of this gospel message brought the judgment of hell. But I want you to notice the fourth thing, the ratification of John's ministry. Um, first of all, this, this is, is ratified by the fact of manifested by changed lives. In verses 10 through 14, we see here these people whose lives were changed as a result of John's ministry. And in John chapter 1, you know, John had a great impact uh, upon the people uh, in, in his day. In John chapter 1, verse 36, again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And two disciples, and the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto him, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for he was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is, which is being interpreted the Christ. You see, it was John who told those disciples, there he is. There's your Messiah. Follow him. Follow him. There's the one you're looking for. And they did. They followed him. Jesus himself bore witness that John's ministry was a God-giving ministry. He did this in several ways. Number one, by, by submitting to his baptism, verse 21 and 22. It says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was open, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and his voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. Jesus submitted to John's baptism. Authenticating John's ministry. By declaring to the elders of Israel uh, concerning John's ministry. We read that in Matthew 21, 23. Uh, you know, the, the, where, where he talked about John's ministry. And Jesus accepted John's baptism. Look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Now notice this statement. Though Jesus himself baptized not. But his disciples. Now Jesus is credited as having more baptisms than John at this point. But it says Jesus didn't do the baptism. Hey, who baptized the disciples? John did. And Jesus accepted John's baptism. As from God. In fact, Jesus said of John in Luke chapter 7, not a greater man born of woman than John. 
John 1 tells us that there was a man sent from God, whose name was John. Then is also his ministry is also confirmed by the sign of baptism of the Holy Ghost. I believe it's a sign gift. Notice verse 16. He talks about this. John answered, saying unto you, unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water. But one mightier than I cometh, the last of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. The first mention of the Holy Ghost being baptized with the, with the, with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, was by John. And what he's saying is that God will, in time, confirm by visual, miraculous manifestations of his power that this is the way of truth. This is the promised Messiah. This is the Christ. And you repent and believe him. This is the salvation of Israel, yea, and of all mankind. And he said, God will confirm it with a sign. You know, Jesus spoke of that in Luke chapter 24. It is still yet future. Luke 24, 49. He said this. Um, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 5. Again. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Lord, you're not going to have to wait long. And then chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So John says, this is going to be confirmed by, the, by a sign of baptism as a fire with the Holy Ghost. And that's what happened. It's a sign. Just like tongues were a sign. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2. Paul refers to this when he writes the church at Jerusalem. In Hebrews 2, verses 3 and 4, when he said this, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to have spoken by the Lord, was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So yes, John's ministry was ratified by God through changed lives, by the Lord Jesus Christ's own testimony himself, and by the sign of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. See, the purpose of all those signs was to show and to prove to Israel. You know, Israel seeketh a sign. This is their sign. I mean, the day of Pentecost, the tongues, the, the, the baptism with fire was all a sign. This is of God. This is of God. They all heard every man speak in his own tongue. So, John... The message John preached is no different than the one we preach or the one Jesus preached. 
And we're to preach today. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. For the remission of sins. The word remission means the putting away of. Setting at liberty. Have your sins been put away? Through the blood of Jesus Christ? Have you repented? Have you surrendered your will, your life, to him?